on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. And now, live from Phoenix FM, Oliver Buck, Mike Brown, and Darren Burrows bring you the Orient Hour. And welcome back to Phoenix FM for this week's episode of the Orient Hour. And, uh, well, what a panel we have for you tonight. We're bringing you the dulcet tones of the legendary Dave Victor. And fresh from his night's sleep on the Bro Group Stadium's turf is Andrew Butler, editor of Dream Team. And, of course, Mr. Darren Burrows. Darren, how's it, uh, how's it been with two weeks without the Orient? It's been painful, Ollie. I've had to take the wife shopping and stuff like that. So, come, come on the final. <laughs> can't, can't wait for Wembley next week. Uh, but, of course, we're in for a treat this evening. And not only will we be carrying on with our season review, uh, we'll also be looking at Friday's friendly against Aston Villa's under-23s, which is, of course, the warm-up game for next week's final at Wembley against AFC Fylde. Um, but first, Darren, let's have a little quick chat about Friday's... Or, yeah, Friday's game at the Brower Group Stadium, that friendly against Aston Villa's under-23. It was a 3-1 win thanks to goals from Dan Happy, Jordan Maguire, Drew and Matt Harold. Was it was it, was it a good game, Darren, or was it more yeah. of a... Did it feel like a pre-season friendly? No, well, it, it did feel... I think Dave uh, said uh, fair, a bit like a check-a-trade trophy game. And, and, yeah, I agree with what Dave said. Um, it, it was competitive for the first 20. I think um, I thought that um, their players I remember when we went to Leicester and we played them in the FA Youth Cup and I remember thinking oh there's some good players in this Leicester with all due respect to the Villa under 23s I, I, didn't, I didn't feel that I thought that um, the free kick when we, we opened the score in with um, Jordan McGuire drew uh, should have been a penalty anyway so it was a bit of an odd goal if, mm. if I'm brutally honest um, slightly disappointed there wasn't more I think it was about 600 of us in there Ollie uh, so I've got a comfortable seat in the in the uh, gallery for a change for a, a very reasonable seven quid <laughs> so fair play to the club for that no it, it was good to be back there it was great to be back and I felt that it was it was probably what we needed certainly what we needed is a bit of a test uh, well not test sorry run out for for the lads and uh, yeah no overall it, it didn't it sort of then generated into one of those lots of substitutions typical yeah. friendly kind of game Ollie um, but an enjoyable evening with as I say a, a bit of a run out for the legs for the, for the lads pre um yeah, and of course, so it was our run out for, for next week's game and Fylde had their own slightly more competitive run out uh, yesterday on Saturday against uh, Salford at Wembley in the playoff finals. Uh, now, Dave, how do you think Fylde are now going to be approaching next Sunday's final? They've just come off the back of a 3-0 drubbing at, at Wembley and now they've got to go back to the place that they lost out on promotion for, for a cup final. 
I don't know whether they'll be really up for it or really deflated. What are your views? I think they'll go one way or the other. I think we should assume there will be a motivator. They've had a decent season. It's an opportunity to put some silverware on the shelf. It is still a relatively uh, young club, of course, um, still growing. It's evident in terms of the fan base that were there on um, uh, the weekend. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and they've got some very good players. And I think they'll definitely be up for it. And I think it would be a big mistake to uh, suggest otherwise well of course because Andrew this, this is now kind of their season's over this is everything that their the last nine months for them is about isn't it I, I think they could be right up for it yeah completely I agree with um, with Dave as well I think it will be a motivating factor for them I mean if you just have to look at I mean, if it was us in that position if it was Orient you know we would be looking at getting some silverware because you know, we seldom win any silverware. So, if it was a club like Fylde, I'd be definitely approaching it in a way of like, you know, what we could we could be in with a shout of winning a trophy. Now, whether or not Orient can uh, respond, you know, to that with um, by just being better than them, as they proved over the course of the season by beating them twice uh, in the league, we'll wait and see. But obviously, Fylde, you know, will be hugely disappointed to miss out yesterday. But they also did beat Salford, you know, only three weeks. That's ago, true. So. That's true. It was only three weeks ago that they. <laughs> it was a strange game. It's a strange game. And Fylde won't want to lose to the O's for a third occasion. No. And late Orient, I think some of the best performances we've seen this season have been against AFC Fylde. Mm. Certainly, the display up in the northwest was was excellent. Uh, a very comprehensive victory, and it was an important three points that were gained in E10. Yeah, hugely. I mean, uh, they would join uh, quite an exclusive club of um, them and, and Wrexham, who we've already been three <laughs> times over the course of the season. And that was pretty two, impressive two not bad clubs to, uh, yeah. to, to do the trouble over. That would be uh, pretty good going. But, Darren, you watched, I know you watched the game on Saturday um, with Fylde versus Salford. What a lot of people were making a point of was how big that Wembley pitch is and, and the kind of game Orient play with the likes of Brophy, Maguire, Drew running into that space in front of Coroma and Bond. The Wembley pitch could be nicely set for this Orient team, couldn't it? I think so. I think um, the pitch will play into our favour. We, we used to play on a good service at Brisbane Road. The service has been excellent all season. Going back to the opposition filed, um, there's two ways of looking at it, really. One, that they could be a little bit going into it, a bit lacking confidence, hopefully, hopefully, a little bit, because they did get quite soundly beat in the end on Saturday. I don't think that will be the case. I do think they'll be massively up for it. I really do. But I also think that um, they're the kind of team... I'm actually pleased we're rather playing them than Salford in the trophy final because, to be fair to file, they do try and get it down and play. So I think it would be a good... Hopefully, I'm not cursing this by saying, I think it would be a good football spectre. The pitch, I think, could work in our favour, yeah. I think the Wembley pitch will suit us. I hope so. And... Um oh, I actually wasn't there on the Friday, but looking at Sunday's game, Andrew... Um, do you think Justin's going to continue with this five at the back and and two wing backs? Or do you think for this Wembley pitch, looking at the players we've got at our disposal now, a lot of players have recovered from injuries, do you think we could maybe see a different shape from the eyes? I think it would be an interesting one um, uh, for him to consider. I think the way that I would approach it would just be look at what we've achieved in the second half of the season since we've moved to the, to the five or the three at the back, if you want. And I think it probably maybe depends on whether Widdison will be fit. He was obviously out on Friday, picked up a little bit of a knock. Um, and so I think it might just depend entirely on, on that because I've enjoyed seeing us with five at the back. It might, it might help us, but also it's one of those things where you kind of go, well, you know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And um, it's the way that the, obviously a system that they used to be, like used to playing, might be something that they have to 
address next season going mm. into going into the league, but um, we'll see. They look sharp, they look fresh on Friday night. Wouldn't I take that for granted after all the celebrations? <laughs> and in many ways, AFC Fold have had the opportunities to focus on football. As uh, Leighton Orient have definitely had the excuse of uh, uh, literally going uh, out onto the beach and, and, and to celebrate, and those players deserve that time off. Um, I thought Friday night was important. I spoke to Justin afterwards. He said that it was a shoulder in Joe, injury for Joe Widdison, and they just don't want to risk Joby McEnough. He's still got that problem with the groin, um, but he thought that both would be available for Sunday um, and it will be interesting to see what the formation will be. If anything, Aston Villa on a couple of occasions threatened down late Orient's right, getting behind uh, Jamie Turley, I thought uh, going forward was very impressive but there is that little bit of gap, isn't there, uh, on both flanks when you play three at the back. Yeah, completely. Uh, also, filed, everyone knows their main threat is, is obviously Danny Rowe at the front. If you try and squeeze him out by playing three centre-backs, it's, it's, it's worked really for us when we beat them 2-0 at home um, earlier this season it, he was kind of not in the game whatsoever so I think he'll probably look at that sort of that, that sort of system and, and just go you know we know how to play in it we don't need to do much more and um, as long as everyone's on their game you know, we could be um, celebrating the FA Trophy win as well. I also think that the, the rest actually might have worked in their favour a bit for the players. From what I heard, uh, chaps, that they didn't spend a lot of time on a beach day, from what I heard. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Um, but, you know, a, a well-deserved uh, break. Not enough bars on the beach. Is that, is <laughs> alleged, allegedly, Ollie, allegedly. So I, I think the, the rest would have actually hopefully worked in our favour in that respect. Well, let's hope so. Uh, but let's have a look just at Friday's game again against uh, Aston Villa's under-23s. There was quite, I saw on Twitter quite a lot of excitement around Jordan Maguire-Drew and obviously he scored a free kick. But a lot of people have been saying the kind of player that he, he could become for the O's, especially after a pre-season, because he only joined in January, but after a pre-season and being with this squad for a, for a longer time, he's, he, he looked good going into the end of the season, didn't he, Dave? What's unusual about uh, young Jordan is that he's got two feet and he's as good almost on his left as he is on his right and that's sh shown by the way in which he can take corners from both sides. The other thing I think that's really impressive about that young man is that he had the opportunity at Brighton's under 23 but you get the sense he actually wanted to go out to the likes of Dagenham and, Re uh, and Wrexham in order to play proper football and those under 23s for Aston Villa they didn't, they look so naive compared to the likes of uh, Josh Caroma, Dan Happy, and uh, Jordan Maguire. Drew. It's, a, it's a complete step, a step up in, in in quality, isn't it? Really, Andrew, the, the difference between a league winning side from the National League to an under twenty three side. Th there's a massive rift there, isn't there? Yeah, completely. And it's just what it's testament to the kind of characters that we've got in our squad, who uh, have made the step up into pro football at such a young age. I mean, we're forgetting that Josh Caroma came through when he was. 17 really and he's now got about two and a half four seasons under his belt he's been phenomenal as we all know but it's you know it's also a testament to the managerial team giving people like Dan Happy their chance you know I don't think at the start of the season he would have expected as many opportunities um, throughout the course of the season but he's been brilliant and he's 
1920, I think. And I, th I think we have to say well done to Danny Webb because he was obviously with them as youngsters. He then had that little brief period in, uh, in charge of Lake Noem and gave the youngsters uh, their opportunity. The performance and result at Newport County was magnificent. Um, didn't quite work, but you saw that those youngsters were good. Um, but they were getting used to losing matches and obviously that has changed under Justin Edinburgh because the culture now is about winning and a winning mentality and that's why Justin will make sure that those players have been focused, they would have had the opportunity to celebrate, they would have had a rest and they deserve that but he will definitely want to win the FA Trophy, he missed out with Newport County of course um, and he, he will want to be the first manager to win the double this century, it hasn't been achieved I think since 92 in Wickham Wanderers. Well I was going to say looking at Justin throughout the whole season in this squad Darren every single minute of every game of every every week in this season they've been professional focused Justin's definitely not letting that and slip the now right is words, he they're the right words because un under Justin I get the impression anyway that he's not the kind of chap that would um, suffer a lack of effort should we say and a lack of commitment um, from a player I don't think it's fair to say that he, he's a hard taskmaster. I think he's, he's a guy that can probably manage both ways. He can put an arm around, as we've known with, with Josh. But equally, you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him, I don't think. No. So, yeah, I think, I think he's got that balance. Well, the players know that they've got a job to do on Sunday. And what was so important, looking at the results from last season, every time there was a defeat, Lake Noink came back. Yeah. And that just says so much about the, the coaching start and the leadership that Justin's provided. Talk, talking about players as well that, that um, have been benefited from being in, uh, with, with Justin and, and, and with Danny in particular, uh, you probably all picked up that Tristan Abrams has been re released by Norwich. And I thought that was quite interesting. I don't know if it's true, but I've also heard a rumour that Sam Dolby's leaving Leeds. And if you look at how, say, some of our younger players have developed, like um, Josh and, and Dan Hab, they've got the benefit now of what we were saying about playing in, in competitive football. And you can see why clubs want to be in the Checker Trade Trophy, for example, because you're right, what you said about they, they didn't, they were naive at times, Villa. Well, I'm, I'm going to add to that with the list of, of Dolby and Abraham's getting released. They haven't really been successful since leaving the O's jumping ship, you might say. And also another man, Abu Adams, who is a young player who, who's made a wrong wrong decision. There's a lot of players now, Dave, as we look back, the likes of maybe Abrahams and Dolby and Abu. There's a lot of players thinking it would have been great to have been part of this setup. I could have developed here. It's, it's, it's nice to see the club in that position, isn't it? It's certainly great to, to see the balance that Justin Edinburgh uh, has uh, got. I think um, also there's a strategic view in terms of recruitment that Martin Ling has provided. We've, we've said it before on this programme, but when you think, you know, the takeover is the 22nd of um, June. Most clubs will have done their business by then. And, and, but Justin had a real vision and a purpose. And when you look at the nucleus of the squad, so many of those players were brought in in those hectic few weeks before the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if we bring it back to the, the, the young lads that left, the situation that the club was in when they left, I don't personally blame them. Um, you know, it depends. Well, Dol Dolby left for halfway through, I think it was in the November time of that first season in the conference. So uh, true, it, it yeah, could yeah. have been jumped, seen as. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you just look at it, what's on offer, though. Yeah. Like, we didn't have a great first half of that season. True. You could probably look at where the club's going, and, you know, yeah. we were jittery, as oh. even as fans. And, you know, a club like Leeds come in, you just think, right, this is a good opportunity maybe to learn. Oh, 
I certainly don't blame them. No. I certainly don't blame those lads for leaving. That's that's my, my point was more that, uh, as Ollie was making the point, their careers have all of a sudden not gone as they perhaps would have hoped. And that's not criticising them. They've made decisions as, as grown-ups. Good luck to them. And I think Stephen Owlsack, for example, he's, he's got an extended contract down at Brighton. So there's one where it has worked perhaps yeah. a bit better. And there's a couple of others. Um, but... Being a league club now, Leighton Orient will probably be in the market for a better quality of loan player now. There will be some clubs that wouldn't want to loan out players into the National League, and you can understand why, um, particularly in terms of pitches as, as much as anything else and playing on plastic. Um, but as a football league club, you, you never know. And, and in Justin, the past, we've had some very good loanees. Well, and Justin and Martin obviously have such a good relationship, or are you guessing that they have a good relationship with, with Spurs, Justin especially? So maybe we could see some future... Harry Kane's and Deli Alley's down at the program. Oh, completely. I think also, you know, the game against Aston Villa has obviously come through Martin's Dean relationship Smith, yeah. with Dean Smith. I wouldn't be surprised if we can be bringing these sort of players in. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at the, the likes of players that we were bringing in um, a few seasons back. We've, you know, we've had Harry Kane, obviously, Atlas <laughs> Townsend, Tom Carroll, all these players, you know, who did make, uh, at their time, you know, a, a, like, you know, you think we're bringing them, you know, just as young players, give them a bit of experience, but couple of them really, really did add to those seasons where we brought them in. And like Dave says, I completely agree. Now we're back in the league, it'll be exciting to see those sort of what, what sort of market we could be getting into. I was going to say as well, I mean, obviously Tottenham have got a, a lot to thank us for because they would never have made the Champions <laughs> League final had Harry Kane not had his 15-game uh, loan spell with us back yeah, in the day. So, exactly. uh, you know, I, th I think you can safely say we've won one championship and we're about to have got a bad match apart another. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure we can call this season a treble-winning season because of Harry Kane's Champions League medal, but uh, why not? Now, it's, it's time to jump straight back into where we left off last week and... Um, we're going to jump in into a nice glamorous location, the the glamorous place of Dagnum, because uh, we obviously left off with that three-one victory. You're such a snob, oh well, <laughs> just not. Dagnum's lovely this time of year, uh, but obviously we left off with that three-one victory over Chesterfield in late December. Um, so now, Dave, let's have a look at that festive period for for the O's, and it and it kicked off on Boxing Day, an early kickoff I remember against Dagenham and Redbridge. And it was a pretty horrible day, I remember. It ruined my Christmas. I think uh, what we learnt was just how important the captain was, Joby McEnough. He broke, had that uh, problem with his toe, didn't he? Uh, um, I think it was a, a fracture it was described, but it w wasn't actually a break. Um, I think it meant that um, you know, the bone was still together. Um, but... Um, we definitely missed him, there, were, there was no doubt, both in terms of his leadership as well as um, his skill, uh, and that was evident at um, Dagenham. It was a difficult game, a good atmosphere, and you knew that Dagenham were going to be up for it. And uh, I've been impressed with what Peter Taylor achieved last season, um, because, you know, he had all the problems with the ownership. Uh, it looked like a, an incredibly difficult job when he took it over. Um, but he's a, a man that loves football. He, 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 uh, you know, there was all sorts of rumours that he's only doing it for the expenses, yeah. and I'm sure he would. Uh, he, he just loves football. I remember him playing for the O's back in the day. Uh, and he's someone that I admire. I think he's a good, ca a good coach. Um, and I think he, they gave us a good game. They gave us a great game. But I remember, Andrew, it was, I think, Charlie Lee it was who came off in about the 65th minute for Dale Gorman. Mm. And that was when it completely flipped the game and we, we lost control of it. Were you worried, especially at that festive period and that early to 2019, 
how potentially light the squad was, as Dave mentioned there, Joby being injured. Yeah, potentially. And I think it also probably accelerated that process in January to bring in the likes of um, Maguire Drew as well. Yeah, like, I think if those sort of injuries didn't happen, you could probably say that the coaching staff would look at it and go, actually, we've got quite a deep squad here. But it's amazing how you know you lose one or two players and then you start having to you know, look, into, look into the market and... Um, it probably did, yeah. Like I say, just accelerate that process, and you know, it's a decent case to put forward to, to you know, upstairs that um, they do need a couple more players. Mm. Because we were missing James Dayton by then, and mm. you know, the, the, the number of assists as well as the way in which he would cover back, mm. um, you know, he was a, a big absentee, no doubt about that. And it was followed up with Dover Athletic, of course, a goalish draw. I thought, under the circumstances, a good point, but there were some supporters that were critical of the players afterwards. And I've never seen Justin as angry as he was post match. Uh, he was furious about some of the things that had been said, but he was protecting his players, and those players didn't deserve criticism. I'm I'm so glad you brought this up, Dave, because I had it written down to, to, to ask you, actually. I was really interested as... Because do you think... I remember Justin coming out, and it was quite a big statement. He, he didn't mince his words. He was he was very straight to the point and, and, as you said, protective of his players. That was almost, a, for me, a bit of a moment in the season for fans to go, OK, like... It, it, was a, it was a big... Almost a turning point in the season for me, do you think? Orient players can... Uh, Orient supporters, rather last season were magnificent. The faithful were incredible. I've never known a season like it, and I've been watching them since the 70s. Uh, in terms of the numbers and the volume away from home was absolutely astonishing. I must admit, I was one of the people that didn't think they'd sell 4,000 uh, season tickets, and some of the home attendances were magnificent. But there is that group, and there is that tendency sometimes to get on the backs of certain players. Um, and it's full credit to Justin that he, he nipped it in the bud. There was a lull in the season, and as you say, there'd always be a lull in the campaign. There was also this sense that we weren't enjoying being top of the table. There was this sense that it's all going to go wrong, and that if we invest in this now, it's going to hurt even more when the disappointment comes. And there were some supporters that were expecting the disappointment to come. I don't know if you'd agree. Well, yeah, no, I think everyone is fixated on this idea that um, the, like the, the festive period is the make-or-break part of the season as well, because play so many times over the course of uh, you know about 10 days and so we had the daggers game we had the dover game had daggers again and i think once you only got one point in the fir those first two games you start looking ahead to the fact that we have salford at home as well in the first week of january and you, you can easily start panicking i think that's probably what some of the fans were were concerned about was the fact that we might come out of the festive period not top of the table but I think there was Dave I agree that the, the unfamiliarity of being top of the league and everyone now I think the first season we were in the National League there was an element of everyone's enjoying their big day out at Orient and you could tell that clubs were coming and raising their game I think this season just gone the one we're currently still in um, there was an element of we want to knock them off the top of that, like off their perch now, because that will be a big coup for us. And it was an improving Dover side, and you just look at how they finished the season. That that was already happening then in terms of they were a side that were in the relegation zone, but they weren't a bad team, and it was a good point. And I think the way in which Justin sort of supported his players demonstrate was demonstrated on the start of the new year with the victory and a good performance against Dagenham at Brisbane Road. It was. It was that early Macaulay-Bond header. I think it was in the, the second minute. It was uh, Macaulay-Bond 
leaped in and it was good to start that year with with a win wasn't it Andrew and to almost get a vengeance for that game on Boxing Day which was still in the memory of Orient fans on New Year's Day wasn't it yeah well it goes it immediately is, as soon as you win the next game after having played the same team you know a few days before if you you know if you win that get the next game you kind of go right well forget about that one on Boxing Day this is the start of the new year We're still top of the league got you know Salford coming up mm. but then um, that would be that's what I thought would be the big make or break game it, it, it was only a brief moment of positivity Darren and then it was into the Salford game which I'll be honest after that Salford game I, I thought we'd, we'd blown the chances yeah, of, of winning the league that was a we got absolutely demolished that day, didn't we? We, we did, we did, Ollie. Just, just going back very briefly to the Dagenham game, I did think that that, that victory against Dagenham was very workmanlike and very much of what Orion did very well throughout the season. But moving on to Salford and picking up on Dave's point about how some of the fans reacted down at Dover, um, in contrast, Dave, I think the fans really reacted well against yeah, Salford. Absolutely. And, and I remember Joby coming out and saying about how he wasn't sure he'd have clapped the team off when yeah. we lost 3 0 at home. And I thought it was, cl again, class by a class man. Yeah. And, and I was one of the, the, the lads singing, We're Late in Orion, we're top of the league at the end of it, reminding everybody, OK, we've been beat. Ollie, we were standing beat on that day, weren't we? Let's be honest, it was a smash and grab job. I think it was two goals in the first nine minutes, mm. if I yeah. remember. Headers, weren't they? I, I have to say, I tipped Salford all season. Uh, I put my own personal money on Orient winning the championship, <laughs> but in my that was with, with, with my, my wallet, my heart and my head quite often told me Salford. And I'm not surprised I've gone up. Pellegrini, is it Pellegrini? I can't pronounce the guy's name, but Pellegrini. Thank you, Ollie. You come to my rescue. What a great goal, for example, when he got he got in front of Egbertetta. So, for me, that was just one of those games, it, it happened, and we were able to move on, I think, quite swiftly from that. Uh, as you said earlier, Dave, we never lost twice. One of the big blows from that game was Josh Coulson. I think he picked up Hampshire mm. again, didn't he? Yeah, and, and that was when Happy came in for that second half of the season as well, I think, in that game. He came in as a substitute and then kind of cemented his his spot. So a lot of these these games are talking about, well, there's, there's been positives coming out of it all the time. Well, the, the, one of the, the biggest positives from, from that game was not, obviously, the, the loss was was terrible. And I, I agree, Oli. I think I thought that was the moment they might have turned in Salford's favour. But then look what happened to Salford following that. They lost mm. the next they did. Uh, three the on the trot. Yeah. And they went on a rock, quite a bad run. Yeah, and they went on a terrible run. And we were still top of the league after all that. And uh, come the end of like you know that end of the month, we were still there. It was and, very odd because then Wexham had a little uh, yeah. burst of form, and, and they Salford really should have kicked yeah. on at that point. Yeah. They'll be, they, I mean, they're, they're all right now because they're promoted, but they would have looked at that period and gone, we should have really capitalised mm. then. Well, I think we we came off the back of that three 0 defeat, and I think it's going to be a big talking point. We had an FA Trophy game next against Wrexham, and I think this was probably the first time that we, we used the trophy to our advantage in the league. We did. I, I think yeah. that we, we, we came back, we used this FA Trophy game. I remember we lost Marvin in it, which was another big blow the week after losing Josh Coulson. But to go and get that win at, at Wrexham in the FA Trophy, Dave, it... it it allowed us to bounce back and, and that was the case for a lot. I think it will pop up again quite a bit over the case course of the second half season. Well, I must admit, I was talking about uh, this with um, Andy Gilson mm. on uh, Friday at half-time and uh, we were both sort of not too sure about this. Was, was this a good thing that we were progressing in the FA Trophy? Um, Wrexham have had experience. They reached the playoffs 
finals, but uh, and they also reached the final of the FA Trophy in the same season. And both Andy and I did get the impression after the game we'd never seen a group of coaching staff so pleased to have lost a match. Mm. You know, there was only, there was less than two thousand at the Wade Schools ground, um, so the supporters hadn't bought into it, um, and you didn't get the sense it was a priority for Wrexham. But full credit to Justin Edinburgh, he always put that competition as a one that he thought that the team could win and should win um, and as it turned out it was a very important victory because I now look at how Wrexham season turned out say they'd have gone on to win that day and, and progress in the trophy and keep that momentum going could have been a completely different story but um, in, in the short term I don't think that win at Wrexham did us too much because we then ended up away to Ebb's fleet and it was another dire day in in the, the early 2019. Yeah, we might as well. There's there's one thing I wanted to to talk about in this game. It was a pretty drab affair, but um, it was quite a big moment in George Alakobi, the Alakobi incident. And I don't know about you, Andrew, but I felt as though after the Salford loss, we weren't doing great in the league. Obviously, we come off the back of a pretty poor festive period, and then for this dressing room incident, it it, it really wasn't a very positive or, or January really was it yeah it looked kind of out of character as well not just with not just with George but kind of the whole way that it just came out you, you, know, you, you really saw Justin and his players yeah uh, a couple of days later it was just like right it's been released I remember receiving a couple of texts from people going hang on what, what's he been released for and then it sort of came out maybe a dressing room incident no one knows like the full details of it but it's um, it was I, I was at the absolute game. It was a dire, dire day. Annoyingly, I went with a couple of my mates who aren't Orient fans, but I had. Like, what been, on earth have you bought us you know, to, Andy? You know when you have that bit of the first season, the first part of the season, when I was convincing them, I was saying, you know, it's going to be a special season. You should come on, come on board. You know, decent, and, come and watch yeah, yeah, yeah. Come <laughs> on. And then can we put yeah, in that performance? <laughs> yeah, and your football club always lets you down in those moments, don't they? Um, and they, you lose two 0 the incident obviously happened with Ella Kobe. I thought Epsilon were actually quite a good side. I was yeah. surprised they. Um, Superb goal, yeah, wasn't it? It was a brilliant goal. I think they were we really well on. We could have been out of sight in the first 20 minutes in that game. Mm. Yeah, we, we rode our luck, didn't we, really? To, to, to lose that game 2 0 wasn't unjust. Yeah. Um, but there was an interesting stat that I, I brought up um, that, that, that we only actually won one of uh, the games what I call the local games, so mm. Ebbsfleet, um, Bromley, Barnet. In two seasons, 13, 14 away games, I think it was, we won one. Really? Yeah, well, Ebbsfleet, I mean, Justin picked up on it, didn't he, about how teams raise their game and, and against us. Uh, it's if, so if, true. If, if, Orient, if the Orient faithful are bringing 1,000, uh, over 1,000, uh, the, the team, players, players for teams like Bromley are going to have rarely experienced that. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're obviously going to up their, their performance for them. And it um, happened time and time again. And when we did eventually win that one, it was obviously... We'll want to play and keep me up, play a big part. And it, it's what happened next that's important because obviously there had been that uh, difficulty with George Ellicobi, who was a big character mm. at the club, no doubt about that. Uh, had been a difficult one of results. Um, last time, late night, had been in E10, soundly beaten by Salford, but it was just in Edinburgh side and it was a big performance and a big result against Maidstone, yes, who was. were under a new manager, of course, with John Stilder, let's not forget. And, and that was a. I remember that game at the end of January. Um, 
I don't want to say, but it was the squirrel. He that was when he came onto the, the pitch. Squirrel? It was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we <laughs> but we finished January strongly with that performance over Maidstone. Admittedly, they were around the bottom. But it was important that we won this game, wasn't it, Andrew? Because the next game was an FA Trophy weekend, and it, these these fixtures were adding up. So it was important that we got three points on the board here at, at the end of January before continuing in the trophy, wasn't it? Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, actually the two results that we've got against Maystone this season, if you look back at them, have actually been really key over the uh, at those points of the season because they were the first win of the season That's having true. drawn our first three mm. and everyone was a bit... It wasn't jittery, but we were still unbeaten, but it was... You it know, took the pressure off, didn't it? Yeah, that we needed to win we and we won yeah. away. And then yeah, at the end of January, we get uh, what I would describe as kind of a nerve-settling win. Yeah. That just gets us back on our way um, and, you know, we, we carry on into the FA Trophy. And then we carried that into the FA Trophy and we... we it was always a tense one, actually. It was that we won 1-0 against Blythe, but it was Jamie's early in the 90th minute. And I, I remember Danny Webb saying... I was. <laughs> he was elated when that actually went in. He was grabbing for his pillow. He was. He was just. They were so pleased to not have to be going all the way to Blythe on a Tuesday, um, and that probably did help us not having to play that replay, because we then went on to another couple of poor league games. Actually, Dave, we between our games against Blythe and Brackley in the FA Trophy. We had that 1-1 draw with Hartlepool away, which was a decent point. Another penalty save from Brill. And that, well, that 1-0 lost to Maidenhead. This is when a lot of fans were going, why are we focusing on the trophy? We've lost Marvin to the trophy. Oh, we're playing loads of games. We're not winning in the league. This was a little bit of a worrying time again, wasn't it? Hartlepool seemed to divide opinion with their supporters. Uh, I thought it was a point gained. A lot of fans mm -hmm. thought, no, it was two points dropped. Um, but what happened at home to Maidenhead, I think, shocked uh, people. Um, again, I reflected on what happened last season when we lost to Maidenhead at home. and It was the start of an amazing run of results. It seemed to be a turning point. It was a turning point again. Eight wins followed that uh, dreadful performance and poor result against uh, um, Alan, Alan Devon. Uh, team and uh, then um, one defeat in 16. That's incredible. Again, you have to say well done, Justin Edinburgh, mm. because it, it would have been so easy with the attitude of uh, some supporters. Again, it was around sort of fear of the disappointment, mm. but Justin kept saying, we're top of the table, let's enjoy it, let's embrace the pressure. You know, don't, don't panic. Let's embrace the situation. There is so much that's been achieved. And it was a positive message that's so different, particularly at Brisbane Road, when you look at what's happened in recent years, uh, before the 22nd of July 17, but also over many decades, uh, Darren, isn't it, as well? There's yeah. that culture that things will go go wrong that you know things will slip up I, I can remember Aston Villa at home when uh, we were just about to go up into the first division which would now be called the Premier League and of course far more recently the disappointment at Wembley in the playoff finals there's always been that nearly nearly club you know and the same in the uh, semi-finals of the FA Cup really because the uh, performance at Arsenal you know one to be forgotten really in many ways uh, so I think supporters would think oh gosh it's all going wrong again but Justin wouldn't let it happen it, and, and I think it's not just Justin I think we'd have to go back and give credit here to the to the Kents and yes, uh, to absolutely. the Nigel because in any business and football is a business to a certain degree I think and you have to have a winning mentality 
You have to have people who believe in what they're doing, yeah, and inspire other people and bring them along for the journey. Yeah. And in those three particular individuals, there's many, many others in the club, yeah. but those particular three individuals are the ones that have inspired and I thought changed that mentality. And off the field, Danny Macklin, as the CEO, was working so hard with the supporters to listen to the gripes that there were about sort of the catering at the time, but the attention to detail and the way in which he was responding to the fans, again, I think that led to the fact that we're in this together and this club is working so hard. You did get the sense that everybody at the club, yeah. everybody on the staff were pushing in, in the same direction. There was a sense, that sense of togetherness you talk about there, Dave, and I think that was summarised after the Brackley game, which was the next one on our list. That togetherness that we sensed after being 1-0 down away to Brackley in the FA Trophy. I remember the fans going, thinking that, oh, this is unbelievable, like this is the worst story and performance they've seen in years. We turned it around with goals from Matt Harold and Dan Happy, and then that togetherness at the end with Joby, Dave. It was a very difficult pitch. Um, Dan Happy, I think, grew up. It was a, a great goal at, at the end there. Josh Coulson came back, which gave uh, Justin Edinburgh the problem as what's he going to do with these three very good players because you couldn't possibly uh, leave Dan Happy out. But uh, Joby McEnough at the end, a, a real leader of men, it was an important result, but he was saying, let's, le let's use this. You know, it, it really was a time at the end of that match where the skipper got that squad together and said, let's go for it. You know, we're on the... We're so close to achieving something very special. And I think he was looking at those travelling supporters and saying, we will all be heroes in a couple of months' time if we keep this up. Yeah, I think that Dan Happy goal actually has played, well, played a huge part, not just in his... Um, in his, in his personal development. Um, ...professional career, but, you know, that was his first goal in professional football. And, you know, he would have had to get his first goal at some point, but... He then goes and scores against Sutton towards the uh, back end of the season as well, which is, was also, you know, there's two two goals that he scored, which have been more... Uh, uh, three, don't forget Aston Villa under-23 goal. Oh, of course, Come on, on Andrew. Friday night. Um, <laughs> but there'll be kind of unsung goals, really, mm. that, that came you in almost huge ones. Sorry, Andrew, I'll mm. interrupt you. You almost feel the Dan Happy come of age that game. Mm. That was the, the when he, he, he turned. That goal was a really well taken goal as well. I remember, yeah. I was standing behind it. And what contrast in that that game was the two halves because we were pretty poor in the first half, and in the second half we were really good. And Brackley again could have been out of sight in the first half. So we we showed professionalism by hanging on there, get to half time. And then I think there was a substitution, wasn't there as well? I think there was... Was it Colton coming on, Dave? I can't yeah, I think it was Jordan Josh came back. And Jordan Maguire Drew That's came right. on to, uh, to, to revitalise the side. Um, but that, that comeback and that, that three at the back, as Dave alluded to there, da uh, Darren, with, with Happy, he had that headache, Coulson was back, Egg are actually one off injured against... Um, Brackley, I believe, with a head injury. But he broke we now his have, nose, didn't he? Yeah, he broke his nose in that game, then he came back with a face mask. But but that problem for Justin, that uh, he had Marvin, Coulson and Happy, arguably three of the brightest centre-backs in the league, that then saw a switch to a three at the back. I think the first game we implemented that was against Haven't on Waterlooville at their place. And that, I think... Uh, the people and fans across Twitter and, and everywhere are giving different reasons as to why they think the league was won. But I think this, that switching to three at the back, getting that result at Haven't and Waterlooville, that wonder volley from Jordan Maguire Drew, this was another big moment for Orient season, wasn't it? And, and Justin's decision to do that 
was is, is admirable. Oli, it was a turning point. Let's be honest, it was a turning point in our season. He had, as you said, three of possibly the best centre-backs. Um, the Salford guy, Pellegrini, I think was probably the only one I've, I've seen better. Uh, and then Turley came in. So we had... He wanted to get his best players in, on the pitch, didn't he? He wanted to get players that were in form, that could do a job. So it was a masterstroke, really, mm. by Justin. It really was. And it was that team, Andrew, that then went on such a run. So, the one, what was it, Dave? Seven league games on the bounce, I think it was. And the person we haven't discussed um, or mentioned so far, but all the supporters were oh, that sort of early in the new year, because um, I know I kept asking Justin to the point, I think he got fed up with the question, was Jay Simpson. <laughs> yes. And and, and Sim- Simpson did return, and then he scored in the next game. He was training for so long, he, and he I kept was... saying to Justin, you know, is there any news on uh, Jay Simpson? And um, he, he was a player that clearly uh, the club were very interested in. Having a more to Louvre, I thought we saw the best of uh, Jordan Maguire drew that goal that he scored was a special one, wasn't it? It was. It was. I'm looking at Jay Simpson there. He came in towards the end of January or the early February, it was. Um, and as you said, he, he was training from, I believe, from December time. And there was so much hype around him, and and people and Josh Caroma went off injured against Maidstone at the end of January. It was, the platform was built for Jay, wasn't it, Andrew, to come in? And people probably expected a lot more than what was actually delivered from the guy. Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, he didn't get too many minutes come the end of the season, um, but you, we we go on this winning run, and. The last thing that a manager and coaches want to do is upset a winning formula, and so why would you change it? Why would you why would you put um, Simpson in there just because he is what we would probably say is a, a bigger name player? That you know, it doesn't make any sense. So it's not really. I think it's actually testament to the rest of the team yeah. about how well they were playing. Then um, one of the reasons Andrew, we wanted Simpson in there was because I think it was um, Josh was injured. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, then, and then when Josh is back, it was obviously that that headache of, of who's squeezing him where because Josh Cromer had had such a fantastic first half of the season to, for then Jay to come in completely still his spot would have maybe been a bit in the key kicking the teeth for Josh there's a couple of other things we've uh, got to mention that weren't necessarily the, the pitch uh, the, the fixtures that we played um, the decision and the ambition shown by Kent, the directors, and, and Nigel Travis to turn down the offer from Sunderland for Josh Cuomo. The temptation must have been huge, mm. for, but the, the room was 300,000 plus, maybe. And bearing in mind that he had this injury. Going back to Jay Simpson, I think his signing was significant because it gave real focus in terms of the strength of the squad. It gave us all a lift. It gave mm. a lift, but there was a real... F- you, you knew that this squad had had okay. genuine strength. Yeah. Also, Justin is an incredibly loyal person. He very rarely changes the team unless there is a reason to do that. He wouldn't do it just to bring in a player that he's just signed. And Jay Simpson's goal at Barrow well, was a very important one. It was a very important one. And I was going to look to the man next to me, Darren Burrows, because... Uh, that was one of the first games I missed of the season away to Barrow but that was a tough night wasn't it um, I, I love Barrow away <laughs> sorry when we did our pick of the away games it was, a, it was between close call between that and Wrexham I gave it to Wrexham for obvious reasons but Barrow away for me is what football's all about as a fan and the, the, the goal that uh, Simpson scored that night not many players could have done that I think maybe um, Broth, Dayton, Joby 
but certainly the way he finished that 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 third, I think it was the third goal, Ollie. It was yeah, yeah. it was the intelligence for to to round the keeper, wasn't it? He he took it round him, and, and it was it looked like a quality goal, didn't it? It, it was a quality goal. It was. I remember I was standing behind it, and it was a great goal. And um, I think I might have upset um, my, my friend uh, James Brophy uh, on Friday night because I said to James, "Well, we we, we you know that that when we nicked to, to Barrow, and James rightly put me in my place. We didn't nick it." <laughs> we nicked the one at Sutton we didn't nick that one and I thought okay that, that's a professional talking somebody because as a fan's point of view with 15 minutes to go Dave we were a little bit squeaky bottom time weren't we with 15 to go excuse my language well I, I didn't make that one and I was listening to the commentary I, I was driving uh, but I had to pull over because the last 10 minutes I, I just couldn't couldn't uh, do, do a sort of multitask it, it, it just had to I was so so nervous uh, for the last few minutes of that game but it was an important win and the pressure was on for the next game Wrexham at home in front yes. of the telly it, it set us up nicely for that one and, and I feel as though I'm like a stuck record saying oh but this was a key moment was mm. it this was a key moment every moment was a key moment but this win at home to Wrexham, and what's big here was that TV curse. Yeah. I think it was we hadn't won a league game on TV for three or four years. We got the monkey off our back. We got the... No, that's hardly Paul. Um, <laughs> we, we, um, this win at Wrexham was massive. That Marvin volley, it was a scuffed volley, let's not... <laughs> let's not it was a scuffed volley. He's volume. done everything right there. He's been he into the floor, he hasn't skied it. He has. And, and for me, and I've, again, feeling like a stuck record, but this was when we felt as though we could kick on, wasn't it? Beating the Wrexham, who we knew were were going to be up there around the playoff spaces, yeah. pushing for that second spot, maybe. This was such a monumental win, wasn't it? It was a sellout game, and I honestly don't think I've heard it, the stadium as loud as that when that goal went in, because it was in the 70, 70th minute. It was, mm. you know, the game had been tight up until that point. There was there, we had opportunities. I think we did look like the better team. Everyone knew what was on the line as well. You couldn't have set it up better. And then mm. when that goes in, the noise was absolutely remarkable in the stadium. And Rex were on a fantastic run at the mm. time. They got a new manager, and that was their, his first taste of defeat, wasn't it? It was. It was, and it was Marvin Ekpatia who got that goal then. Um, and it was a it was a big case of the season with defenders <laughs> scoring goals because the next game as well all the shot away it was Josh Coulson who turned up with two pretty much identical goals from James Brophy corners um, and that again Dave kind of set us up nicely going into the into two FA Trophy legs didn't it? Yeah, but the game won't be remembered for the goals it will be no. remembered for the save yeah. Dean Brill and let's mention Dean Brill it, it was the first and I think probably the most significant uh, decision that Justin made at uh, Solihull to put uh, Dean in gold he's been the ever present ever since he was ever present last season he's made some great saves but that was a tremendous save it was the sort you couldn't imagine actually how it was possible no he's flown he's stayed in the air more than should be physically possible and it, you know, it, when you talk about how how many points there are separating the clubs come the end of the season, it, it's like uh, that's two points. We, we said on last week's show when discussing the awards because he obviously picked up captain's player. Um, I, th I think it was just captain's player actually. Picked up best and he picked, well, 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 there's no one else who's going to be pushing <laughs> him for that award. But he picked up um, captain's player of the season. And when we were discussing this, we said that save that he won save of the season for could have completely changed the game which could have completely changed the league so I remember how tight it was uh, Barrow were playing Wrexham on that night and it was that night that we kind of took a step away wasn't it Darren and and, yeah. and, and before that double-legged FA Trophy semi-final was when 
that that told us where we were, didn't it? I, it did, and, and the other significant, obviously, Colson's two goals as well. And you're right, Dave, that the attention should rightly be focused on the save that night. But the goals we were getting from the back were so important, weren't they? And, and again, those two goals, we say, identical. And I also thought, in fairness to, to the opposition that night, you know, they were fighting for their lives. They were, they were clearly looking to try and get something out of the game. A certain George Alacobi, who we mentioned earlier, mm. was actually in there getting rinsed by Josh Coulson. <laughs> And talking about Josh Coulson, is the massive forehead a force that was so important against Telford? Well, of course, yeah. of course, because that went at all the shot. It was the last gap time we played in the league for a couple of weeks. I think a lot of Orient fans were were worried about that as well, having other oh, teams playing while yeah. we weren't. Yeah, it was it was a massive time. You couldn't believe that we'd be top after that fortnight, could you? You you wouldn't have guessed it because we had a, a home and away leg to AFC Telford, and uh, we we got through the tie. Would, uh, would you say comfortably, Dave? It, it, there was a couple of hairy moments in that second leg. Um, but to finally put that, we're going to Wembley, we could put that to one side almost. That's when we could concentrate on the league, wasn't it? When we knew that we'd booked our place in the final, that's when we, we knew that what we had to focus on. I think at the end of the game up at uh, Telford, you did get the sense of just how good this spirit was mm. because the way in which the players were celebrating with the supporters, you've got to remember that they played with 10 men for a long Six time years. in that game uh, and they really had to sort of dig in uh, and they, they'd done that and you could see what it meant to them and they knew that there was a big league game coming up next. Yeah, the, 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 the home game against Telford, I have to say that it gave me a flavour of what I will probably remember this FA Trophy run for being on, which is they were, they were quite, they were tense games they were quite fun as well because Blythe Spartans brought down a few hundred and they were like, sat in the, um, the North Stand, yeah. similarly Telford. And these clubs were making really decent noise. We were getting the wins over them, which was the most important thing. But it's been quite a fun cup and, run, I think. And, and what I found with these cup runs, especially with this break for the Telford game, and I think it was earlier for the Brackley one, where we were having weekends off, it allowed players to get back from injuries, didn't it? Mm. It gave us, a, it, admittedly it built up games in hands. But it meant that the likes of Jordan McGuire could come back. It meant that Josh Coulson could come back. It meant that Ake Petit could come back. So all these kind of cut breaks were... were, were they worked, they worked in our favour. You're a great point there, because I'd forgotten about that. And also, that was the goal in the first leg against Telford. McCauley scored, didn't he? And I think it's safe to say that he was, you know, all players probably suffer a little bit of confidence. I don't, I don't know, but but that was an important yeah. goal. And did that also help us kick on again from his point of view? Well, I think so. And I mean, there were these, what I consider slightly ludicrous naysayers about Macaulay's form at some points during the season, and he didn't have, he didn't score from open play for X number of minutes. But it was in that game where he he, he scored the goal and set him back on his way. And he and did get a few yeah. goals in the, after that, yeah. so it, it was good for his confidence. Uh, but that's the last time we'll be discussing the FA Trophy tonight, before next week's final, of course. Uh, but we, of course, turn our attention back to the league, because it was a big run in now, Dave, and we started it off with next week's opponents again. Their name has cropped up multiple times this episode. Uh, we took on AFC Fylde at home on a Tuesday night under the lights at the Brow Group Stadium, and this was such a professional 2-0 victory, wasn't it? I think one of the most impressive performances a professional performance um, against a very, very good team. Yeah, it looked comfortable. And uh, there's been a couple of times where I thought we've looked comfortable in in, um, in getting our victories this season, but I didn't expect it to be that 
comfortable. They didn't provide much. We got the two goals, and it was just it was you know a, a champions performance it was, and that was the first was. time in the season I knew we'd been top and mm. you would do start to entertain the idea that we, we might actually get we top and we might do this but it was the f I think it also it needs to be said our form against the top six the top seven clubs has been sensational this season and when you're picking up results like that on a Tuesday mm. night against Fylde which looked and make it look comfortable is think, yeah. you know, you put yourself in the shoes of your other uh, opponents, Salford, Wrexham's, and you just think they would look at our results and go, man, they must be, yeah. uh, they, they, they'll probably do this. Mm. So we've got just under 10 minutes left to get through the final few league games. Um, so we're going to, it was a nil-nil at Barnet. I don't think there were too many talking points from that game. But <laughs> in start... Just quickly on the Barnet one, I, I think that was one of the few games where we did get a little bit of luck on the day. Yeah, I, I really do. Oh, uh, yeah, Barnet Dean Bruce safe. And if they can keep that team together, I think they'll do, they'll do well next season. But we won't have to worry about that. And uh, it, it, there weren't tons of talking points, a few penalty calls and, and, and decent saves. But then in stark contrast to that was... Um, Great support. Was the, was the, uh, Great support. 1,800 fans. Mm. Okay, it's not far, but... Nevertheless, and then it was of course another one where we had a lot of fans travel there, but there were a lot more disappointed fans on this evening. It was at Bromley, and I think we could talk for a long, long time about the the gamesmanship that happened that night, the way Orient kind of got sucked into their games. But Dave was this was a worrying sign for me going into a crucial part of the season, getting Marvin sent off and losing to goals. How we lost. I was, I was worried, I'll be honest. Because it looked okay at half-time, didn't it? It, it, it really did. did. I mean, it, there was uh, a big decision with um, the, the, the red card for Marvin Equiteta and a big decision for not giving a red card to George Porter. Enough said. Again, it was about uh, recovering from that one, and the O's did. They did. They did, and that set us up nicely for Halifax at home, which most Orient fans, Andrew, would have thought would have been an easy three points. Yeah. But we found ourselves 2-0 down before half-time. Um, this Orient's comeback in this game, though, that goal just before half-time from Josh Coroma and Matt Harold making an impact, that really, I feel as though it, it, it kicked us on for the final running, didn't it? Yeah, and I think it can't be understated enough or overstated enough that <coughs> how important Coroma's goal is there. If he doesn't score before half-time, I think we lose that yeah. game. Yeah, and then um, Halifax would have seen it out. Yeah, I, I would expect them to have, because you just shut up shop. When you've just conceded a goal, you're a bit all over the shop, mm. and Josh like took advantage of it. And, you know, to get that goal in the last, in the, in the virtually the last kick of the game was also just one of those things where you just think, oh, that's a point gained. Actually. Yeah. It was a good opportunity for the fans to say goodbye to Nathan Clark as well, because there was never a chance before. That was his 50th game that season. Yeah. Incredible. He, I, I love Nathan Clark. They've re-signed him, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not surprisingly. Mm. I, I mean, he's not quite a Coulson or a Happy or, a, or an Petita, but he's an Orion, I, I think, a great for what he did in that season. Um, and then on the on the topic of comebacks, Dave, as that comeback against Halifax was fantastic, but I think the one against Easley was even better for me. I think to come back from two goals down twice, we were under it at times, but what character shown on that night? Hasn't happened very often uh, last season, coming back to win a game, I suppose in many ways, because Leighton didn't have to do it. Mm. Um, but it was a big performance again. Uh, Paul McCullen really did impress. I mean, he's, he scored a lot of goals, 27, I think, uh, in total for the last campaign. And you could see why, couldn't you? Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was naivety as such from us, but 
we know what Paul McCallum can do. Yeah. And he's good in the air. And the fact that we conceded two against him, both headed goals, was, you know, kind of... He got nine shown with his head. Yeah. That is, that is ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Incredible return. In any league, that is ridiculous. And the number of assists from Mark Yates is also significant in that uh, equation. I bet, I bet two great players who are unlucky. unlucky in the playoffs against yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen them get to Wembley, but... Uh, Salford did it unfortunately well, well good, I for think that, good for Salford that is the game though I think had my probably my favourite goal of, of the season though the team the team yes goal, with, where, where Dayton backhills it Dayton, yeah backhills that it was that nice. was I thought Brophy was bench that night yeah. James Brophy I thought was, was really um, an important player to us throughout the season because he played him in so many different positions mm. he, he was so versatile he, he played at right back for, he, for 70 he minutes everywhere. that night he played everywhere and on that, that night again he showed his versatility he and did so yeah it was, it was, I think that was a real real champions performance that night mm. me too we, me we, too we, we came back ground. from Bromley didn't we um, at home I think the games that because um, got a running out of time here, but I think the games that followed were all championship performances. Yeah, I've never known a game quite like the one at Sutton, <laughs> and I've never known a decision that happened to James Dayton. I can remember doing the commentary with um, uh, Matt Hiscock and, and, and saying something's happened here. You could see the players coming over. They weren't talking about a substitution, and you couldn't work out what had happened. I think mm. he'd actually been sent off before the, uh, the referee showed the red card, but the yeah. red card wasn't shown, and poor, poor old James Dayton was on the stretcher yeah. being carried. I mean, that was, was incredible. That, and it kind of almost took away from the fact that this was the hat-trick of comebacks. This was the third game in a row that we'd come from yeah. a goal down to get points. And what a three points... It, it was. It, it it set us up so nicely for the last three games. And Macaulay Bond, so oh, cool from oh. the spot after the most bizarre piece of goalkeeping I've <laughs> ever yeah, seen. Yeah. I don't. I don't. And, and there was that picture of him just staring at the goal, ball in arm. Yeah. But it was those goals that, that won us the league, wasn't it? He, 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 he I can't understand goals. why Sutton gave that a free transfer after that, can you? I mean, <laughs> he's, he's been put on a transfer list, I've seen, actually. Sutton announced that they are looking to get rid of Warner over the, uh, over the summer. But that was the last comeback of the season because we then went on to a... On paper, maybe you'd say comfortable, Andrew. It was a 2-0 victory over Harrogate on Good Friday. Early goal from Josh Coulson. Late goal from Matty Harold. Um... It, and, and that was a Harrogate team who were in and around the playoffs as well, so another good... And a very good team. Mm. Harrogate played well, I thought, on that day, they but did. it was just the fact that we got the first, the, the, the early goal under the belt, mm. and um, we just held on to it. I mean, Coulson's block, though, as well, in the second half, yeah. was one of the... League um, winning moments. Yeah. Started to believe as well, because other results coming through. Yeah. yeah. They, they were coming in for us, the results were coming in. And then the last two games of the season... Um, Almost mental looking at it written on paper. We we were cha we're champions. We lifted the trophy as champions. But our final two games, Dave, was Solly Holmore's nil, Leighton Orient nil, and Leighton Orient nil, Braintree nil. And there were two very different games. The Solly Holm uh, pitch was rock hard, absolutely mm -hmm. rock hard. And I'm sure that was deliberate. It was a really difficult game. Mm. We're talking about Dean Bill saves. The one at Aldershot was spectacular. The one at Solly Holmore's in the closing stage oh, yes. was yes. great. Massive. The courage 
to get there because I thought it was going in. I, you know, yeah. it really did look as if it was going over the line and he just smothered it and it was just so significant for the season. But we must be the only people to have won the league on 2-0-0 draws <laughs> on the final two games, surely. It doesn't matter like how you do it, does it? It's, it's, as long as you do it. At that point, that's what we need to do yeah. and, and the boys were able to do it and the sorry hole game in particular, um, I remember when we you know, we heard that, that Salford had, uh, had lost and the atmosphere in the, in the away end at the end was what, what we go to football for. Mm. It was, it was, it was just such a fantastic end to the season, and of course, that brings us nicely to the end, where we uh, were crowned champions, Darren. And it's still sinking in, to be honest. It is still sinking in, but I think we've got one more game now to really go and capitalise on that. Next Sunday, we'll let it sink in. Hopefully, this time next week, Orient will be known as the team that did the double. And we'll see you the week after for our last episode of the season. Let's say thank you to Andrew Butler from Dream Team, Dave Victor, and of course Darren Burrows for what's been another excellent show. And thank you guys at home. Wembley! (laughs) We'll see you next week at Wembley. Wembley. Here we go. Well done.